It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. I'm Greg Gutfeld. I'm Martha McCallum. I'm Brett Baer, and this is the Fox News Rundown. Wednesday, June 8th, 2022. I'm John Saucier. The Russian invasion of Ukraine has put so many people into displacement, depravity, and death. Russia comes through with this scorched earth approach. Uh, You just rack up the civilian casualties, and uh, much more than the military casualties. This is a Fox News Rundown. War on Ukraine. I'm Charles Payne. Listen to my Unstoppable Prosperity podcast so I can get you making money right now. Whether stocks are hitting new all-time highs or in freefall mode, opportunities abound. So why are so many potential investors still sitting on the sidelines? In a new season of my podcast, I'm going to get you in the game. After 38 years on Wall Street, I'm ready to impart some lessons and get you invested in the greatest wealth-generating machine in history. Listen anytime, everywhere at foxbusinesspodcast.com or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. Of course, the world is watching this war from a broad view, tracking military and political moves which have changed lines on the map and lives across the world. But it's also important to watch this war with a microscope and hear the stories of those caught up in this brutal struggle. I think it's terribly sad. You see a lot of places in Ukraine where, uh, in in Kiev, in uh, Lviv, uh, where people are bouncing back and life starts to have somewhat of a normal feel despite the fact that they're uh, uh, at war. Our guest today is Fox News correspondent Mike Tobin, who's in the capital of Ukraine, Kiev. Just north of there is a historic city called Chernihiv that was attacked but not fully taken by the Russian military. You may remember a story early in the war of civilians being attacked and killed there while waiting in line for bread. But when you go to places like uh, like Chernihiv, uh, like Bucha, uh, they're just too badly scarred. They're just too, so terribly sad. And uh, when one of the things that struck me is of, of all the different uh, uh, destruction that I saw there, I didn't really see anything that amounted to a military target. Uh, everything that I saw look like a civilian uh, target. So couch that uh, with the fact that they do ha- they did have some time to move things around, and uh, uh, mostly the military that showed up there was mobile. Uh, and I did see some military checkpoints, but I didn't see that the military checkpoints had been hit. Only things I saw that were hit were, were civilian targets. Wow. And uh, I just, the people were very proactive. Uh, once they saw a reporter who had made it to their town, the people were very proactive in coming forward and talking. Some of them were people who uh, partially considered themselves Russian up to this point, a lot of Russian speakers. And um, they're just horrified. They said, well, what do they want from us? Uh, that's one of the quotes I got from, from a woman uh, that was Donetsk uh, Ludmila. And she approached us and said, what do, what do they want? They call us brothers. But uh, they're abusing us, she said. And she knew uh, this is a woman who uh, knew 10 people who had been killed. Uh, She would have gone out with her family, but the car was full. So she told her daughter with uh, with the family, uh, you know, the young family in that car, she said, go. I'm old. You guys have a whole life ahead of you. And so her family hasn't made it back yet, and then 10 people around her were were all killed. And, uh, I mean, I could keep going on. One of the things that I noticed... um, in uh, Chernihiv is at least uh, the freshly dead there have the dignity of individual graves. 
and that is because they went to a grave uh, yard on the outskirts of town and cleared out a bunch of forest and started digging graves. And uh, there was a thousand new graves there. And uh, what else was interesting to me is there was one small section of the new graves that were military. All the rest of them were civilians. And uh, as Russian comes through there uh, with this, Russia comes through with this scorched earth, or earth approach, uh, you just rack up the civilian casualties and uh, much more than the military casualties. And it's, uh, it's tough for the people of Chernihiv because they, they're, they're actually not a valuable military target. They simply had the misfortune of being on the path between the Belarus border and the Russia's goal of toppling uh, uh, the administration in Kiev. And it was a failed objective on the part of the Russians. So all of those people died really for nothing. Yeah, only 55 miles away from the Russian border is where Chernihiv sets, just north of Kiev. It's even closer to Belarus. So you're right. It's kind of right in the crosshairs there, unfortunately. And also, you're seeing kind of direct evidence of the Russian military targeting civilians, not only with the devastation you've seen in civilian areas, but then it's right there, this new graveyard full of civilians. Mike, what have you heard about this story of an American who was caught up in this in Chernihiv? This was an English teacher from Minnesota, another person who refused to leave Ukraine, much like the older woman you spoke of earlier. Right. Marty Hill was his name, and he was caring for uh, someone who was sick. So he stuck around, and I went to, he was in that bread line uh, that was hit. Uh, the initial information that came out of the U.S. Embassy is that Russian soldiers uh, had gunned them down, uh, which created, uh, uh, because it was bad information, it created a convenient position for uh, Moscow to say, and we didn't have soldiers in that area, so we, po- we couldn't have possibly shot them with small arms. Well, just because it was an erroneous report, I went to the scene there, and what I saw was a lot of shrapnel scars on the wall right in the area where those people uh, were killed in the bread line. So what it was was around probably a mortar that came in there, possibly as some sort of rocket, or, or, or an airstrike. It wasn't really big enough for an airstrike. It's probably a mortar that hit there. Um, so I could see the area where the uh, the wall right next to the bread line was all uh, flecked with shrapnel. Uh, and what happened is there was a van that had pulled up, and it was handing out bread. Well, all of these people had been locked down, and they couldn't get out. They couldn't get eat. They, they couldn't get food. They needed to eat. So they came out. They stood in line and whatever round came into that area and killed them all. It's interesting. I talked with uh, Alexander Gurianov, uh, uh, who was there. He was an eyewitness. And the official accounts ended up that 10 civilians were killed. But he was telling me there were uh, 12 on that side of the street and another two on the other side of the street. And it's really hard to pin that kind of thing down because, you know, they call it the fog of war. It's really just the chaos. And no one's really around taking careful statistics. So uh, I can't tell you that Alexander's uh, information was correct, uh, but I can't tell you that he's wrong either because I think the the stats you get are are the best you get. But uh, uh, loads of civilian casualties in that strike alone. Uh, One of the things I could see, too, um, I mean, I could keep going on and tell you these stories. Um, uh, Ina Levchenko is her name. She was a school principal, uh, the principal of school number 21. And they're uh, uh, first through 11th grade there. Uh, she opened up the school to shelter people. And it wasn't really a good bomb shelter because it's, it's just a school. That was, they didn't have the ability to go down below. But much like the, uh, the drama theater in Mariupol, they marked the front and the back with the Russian word for children, meaning women and children are in here. Well, I got blown up. 
uh, uh, Inna Levchenko now has to uh, has shrapnel uh, in her eye. She lost the use of that eye. She walks with a limp because her leg is broken, and she's got shrapnel scars all over her. And um, it's just it's heartbreaking because they they went there for shelter. And they got hit anyway. And uh, the school principal had lost track of the number of people who were killed in there because, you know, again, you get just you get the chaos. And they've got the other problem when school is going to come around. Well, the school's been blown up. So um, it's 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 tragic. And just a few blocks away, uh, that's where uh, Vasilchenko Valentina had brought all her relatives into the house. Well, the house took a direct hit and she and uh, her daughter were the only survivors. And all of this extended family was killed. We've got Fox News reporter Mike Tobin on the line today. He's in Ukraine where this war has caused untold amounts of devastation. Today we're telling the stories of the people affected by this aggression. And we've got more coming up after these words. It's going to make the point that it makes it that much more important that we tell these stories, the fog of war idea, because you're right, when you're caught up in these battles and people are fleeing for their lives, there's no time to count what exactly happened. So it's important to go back and tell the specific stories of these people who are caught up in all this. We're speaking today with Fox News reporter Mike Tobin. He's in Ukraine right now in the capital of Kiev, but recently visited the city of Chernihiv, which wasn't fully taken by the Russians, but was attacked. Let's kind of focus on the here and now for a moment, Mike. What is the mood in Kiev? Because a lot of the reports out there say that Russia is, in fact, winning this war, at least in some parts of the country. They haven't taken the capital yet, but how are people feeling there? Well, I I, I think the, the people still feel that they are very much in the fight. But uh, here in uh, Kiev, you see people going about their normal lives. Now, in terms of winning the war, what you see right now is Russia making slow, steady, and bloody, frankly, bloody progress as uh, this has now evolved into an artillery war. And Russia, to this point, has had uh, superior artillery. The U.S. has given... um, has given the uh, Ukrainians uh, a number of these M777 howitzers, which improves their artillery. But uh, what the Ukrainians are very anxious to get are these multiple launch rocket systems, which will give them the advantage in terms of artillery because they'll have greater range and greater accuracy. And then they believe they can turn the, turn the tide. And specific to Russia making gains, uh, there's the town of Severodonetsk which uh, is in the eastern part of the country, and it's in the town of the uh, province called Luhansk. And that is one of the separatist regions that, um, that uh, Vladimir uh, Putin used for his pretext to say he wanted to go to, uh, for the invasion, uh, saying he needed to protect the people and liberate the people in the eastern part of the country. The two provinces he was talking about were Luhansk and Donetsk. If the Russians can capture all of Severodonetsk in the Luhansk province. That will mean that they have control of the Luhansk province. It will be the first time the Russians have gained control over an entire province. And uh, presumably they're going to keep coming for the Donetsk province, which is immediately west of that. That's why this particular battle is so important. And that's why the Russians, uh, Vladimir Zelensky called um, Severodonetsk a dead town. And that is just because of all the scorched earth that has been laid down. There essentially is nothing left. But the importance, in no small part, is the fact that you can't let Russia uh, win this town because that will control an entire province. And that's it's just a big victory, a moral victory. And in terms of being able to gain some ground, well, that's Russia doing that. 
Yeah, a possible big turning point in this war and not a positive one for Ukraine. Fox's Mike Tobin reporting from Kiev, Ukraine for us. Thanks so much, Mike, for your time. Stay safe. And as always, thanks for joining us here on the Fox News Rundown War on Ukraine podcast. You got it, John. You've been listening to the Fox News Rundown. Rundown. Stay up to date by subscribing to this podcast at foxnewspodcasts.com. And for up-to-the-minute news, go to foxnews.com. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Ben Domenech, Fox News contributor and editor of the Transom.com daily newsletter. And I'm inviting you to join a conversation every week. It's the Ben Domenech Podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com.